We finished last week the book of Romans. I know it took us uh, four years and eight months to, no, not quite that long. It took us about a year to get through the book of Romans, about a year to get through the book of Romans. If you missed any of those sermons, they're all online. You can go to our website at fogkc.com and hear them there. That was just a great study for us. We're going to take a little break for a, uh, from a book study for a minute, and we've got some, uh, another book planned coming up real soon. We want to take three weeks here to just to kind of recommunicate our mission. You know, it's always important to occasionally review the mission of any organization, but especially a church. It's the overarching purpose that should direct everything that we do, and we pray that it does. Now, some, some of your companies, they'll say that the vision is the highest thing, and then the mission is the way that we accomplish it. Well, in the church world, we kind of do that backwards. The mission is the thing that every church should be doing everywhere, in every context, in every uh, uh, time frame in human history. Our vision is the way that we, Fellowship of Grace, particularly fulfill that mission here in Parkville and the surrounding areas. But we're going to talk about our mission. They say that mission leaks, like having water in a bucket with a little hole in it. If you fill it up with water and you carry it around, it, if, you don't, if you don't keep filling it with water, it just kind of leaks out. And before you know it, before you, you know, it's not intentional, you've just strayed away from what was really important to you. You strayed away from what you said was your mission. And that's why occasionally we want to come back and just review our mission. And then there's, of course, new people that have joined us. We want them to always be on top of what our church's mission is. Now, our church's mission is pretty easy. It's six simple words, but put together in this order, they clearly keep us focused on what we should be doing. And here it is. It's to love God, love others, and make disciples. We don't do anything else. Here at Fellowship of Grace, if you're looking for a church that has a 100 different ministries, they've got a quilting club and a car club and a stamp club and a this club and a that club, we're the wrong church for you. We don't do all those things. We love God, we love others, and we make disciples. And everything that we do is connected to that somehow. I say in our Fog Connect class, we don't do anything but these three things, and we really try to do that. Now, over the next three weeks, we're going to um, review each one of these things, and I want you to ask yourself and kind of evaluate yourself as we talk about these things. Uh, evaluate yourself as an individual and evaluate yourself kind of as a church, if you're a member here, whether or not we are staying focused and single-minded on this particular mission, okay? And today, we're just going to focus on the first one, loving God. So we're going to look at a passage in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, that really guide us, that really help us to stay focused. And we're going to just really look into it deeply because we want to see that God's trying to communicate to us clearly. Now, I think if we ask the question, almost everyone in this room would say that they agree with Jesus' answer here. So pay attention to Jesus' answer as we read it. In Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, here's what it says. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, Jesus, he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, you may say, I, I agree. That's a pretty good answer, Jesus. 
Well, one of the scribes who was actually questioning Jesus there, he basically responded by saying the same thing. He basically responded by saying, hey, you know, Jesus, that was a great answer. That was a really good answer. Jesus responds and turns to him and says this, you are close to the kingdom of God. Now pay very careful attention. Folks, remember, when we talk about God's word, we got to really pay attention to what it says. Not what we want it to say, not what we'd like for it to say, you know, in our own strength, in our own minds. He says, you are close to the kingdom of God, but you're not in. You know, most of the people in this room, most of the people maybe even outside these doors would agree that Jesus gave a pretty good answer. But with the understanding of his answer alone and agreeing with it in principle, that will make us close to the kingdom of God. But until we do it, we're not in the kingdom of God. That man said, good answer, Jesus. I, man, that's a great, I agree with you. Jesus didn't, didn't say he was in the kingdom of God because he, he said he just believed it. He said, dude, you're close. You're close. Now, some people say that close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And they're probably right. I guess atomic bombs, too, they say. But it doesn't count. Close does not count in loving God or in Super Bowls, by the way. I don't know if you remember Super Bowl 34. It was played January 30th of the year 2000. And I know some of you are looking at your parents going, I wasn't even born then. Shh. Okay. There were six seconds left. And the Tennessee Titans were behind by seven. The score was uh, St. Louis Rams 23, Tennessee Titans 16. The Titans had the ball on the 10-yard line. Quarterback Steve McNair goes back to pass, and he passes to wide receiver Kevin Dyson, who caught the ball on the five-yard line, running full force toward the goal line. But linebacker Mike Jones wrapped up Dyson's legs, and he fell to the ground, and he reached the ball as he was falling forward, and he came up one yard short of the goal line. Oh, man. The Rams win. The Titans came up one yard short of perhaps tying and perhaps winning the Super Bowl. Man, so close. How could you be so close? What a tragedy to get that close to a Super Bowl and come up just shy of the win. Even more tragic, though, will be those who are good religious people who know a lot about God, but unfortunately don't really love him. They'll get close. They'll reach out at the last minute only to find out they were only close to the kingdom of God. Here's the question. Do we really love God in the manner that he wants to be loved by us? Or do we love him in a way that would be defined by him as loving him? Or are we just satisfied with loving him the way we want to love him? Let's see what that means this morning. Let's see what God really means when he says to love him. Because we don't want to come up a yard shy when it comes to loving God, do we? What a tragedy. So let's look at this passage very carefully. I want to point out a few important principles, and then I want to tell you how Fellowship of Grace is trying hard to facilitate an atmosphere where loving God takes place. The first is this. 
Loving God is personal. Look back at Mark, just chapter 12, verse 30. We're going to look at that verse over and over and over again. And look how it's a personal thing. He says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus is saying, listen, this is a personal thing. You have to do it. Now, while we can have some level of commitment in a corporate setting, while we can love God in a corporate setting like this, the reality is it takes an individual commitment and decision to love God. I can't make it for you, and you can't make it for me. We can't make it for our loved ones. We can't make it for our friends. Everyone has to decide for themselves. Everybody must love God in a personal way and make a personal choice to do that. Now, folks, if anybody could decide for somebody else, we'd just, we just throw a big party every Sunday, invite as many people from the community to come in here, and we just make them all love God. we just make them do it. But that's not possible. For those of you who have ever come to me for counseling of any kind, universal rule number one, can't control anybody on the planet but yourself, and barely that, Right? But the reality is, folks, we can choose for ourselves. You can decide today to love God in a better way. You can decide today to love God in a way if you don't. You can decide as an individual to love God. Now, by the way, it doesn't matter if your father was a pastor or if you came from a really religious home or if your children are missionaries or any of that stuff. That doesn't do any good for you. It doesn't help you in any way, shape, or form. Might put a little pressure on you, but it doesn't really help you in any way. Okay? Every single person has to make a personal decision to love God. I want you to also see that loving God is not just a feeling, but it's a devoted decision to committed action. Look back at Mark 12, 30 again. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, while it is a feeling, love is a feeling, it's not just a feeling. We talk about this every time we talk about any passage in God's Word that talks about love. Listen, God tells me to love my neighbors. He's not saying, hey, Michael, when you wake up tomorrow, have a warm, fuzzy feeling for your neighbors. And when you see him going out to get your mail, go, oh, there's that neighbor. <laughs> I just love that guy. He's not, he's not saying that. I think I slipped into a little Bill Clinton there accidentally. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that was weird. Uh, you know, that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is, Michael, make a decision to act in love towards your neighbor. And, and this particular kind of love here comes from the Greek uh, root word agape, which means total and complete love. It's, it's, it's the kind of love that God has for us. And he's saying, you love the Lord your God the same way he loved you. Love him back, totally, completely, without reservation. This is the love of intelligence and purpose, of sacrifice and hard decisions. In contrast, another Greek word, phileo, which is, is uh, you know, the two Greek words phileo and um, agape are both translated love in English, but that word means brotherly love, where we get the word Philadelphia. A lot of brotherly love shown there, right? 
It's, it's kind of an emotional feeling of liking someone or having affection for them. It's putting your arm around them and saying, hey, man, you're my buddy. We're brothers, man. We, we get along great. That's not what this is talking about. This is saying love God at the same level he loved you enough to give up, your, to give up his son to die for you. Wow. Folks, this is a willful, determined love that intentionally chooses the interest of someone else above their own and do whatever it takes to live it out. And in this context, it means to love God more than yourself and live that out no matter what it costs you. Now, we could end right here. That's a big challenge. It's a big challenge, isn't it? But we're not. Then he goes on to raise the bar even higher. He says, we must love him with our whole self. With our whole self. Look at these words, with all your, as they're repeated here. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Folks, God is wanting to inspire us here. He's specifically speaking this four times, and God repeats himself for a reason. He wants to emphasize it. This, could have just have, this verse could have easily read, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? Would have, would have meant practically the same thing. But when he keeps repeating, with all your, with all your, with all your, with all your, what he's saying is, folks, don't hold anything back. Don't leave any closets of your heart for yourself. Give it all. And for those of the Jewish world, this whole principle of heart, soul, mind, and strength, those four things basically made up a complete and total person. There's nothing left. It's like saying this quarter and this quarter and this quarter and this quarter makes 100%. There's nothing left. Folks, God wants us to love him with our whole self. He's wrapping up for us the entire person of who we are, which means we should love him above everyone else, above everything else, even above ourselves. And again, it's not I feel warm fuzzies for God above everybody else, but I live intentionally making decisions out of love for God above myself or anyone else. Now, he talks about those four specific things. Let's, let's break those down for just a minute and just see what those four things actually mean. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the emotions and the feelings. Again, while this is not just a feeling, certainly our love for God should invoke our feelings and emotions at some point. Now listen, I, I, I am pretty self-aware of who I am, Okay? I get the fact that I'm one of those guys who's a little in touch with his feminine side. I cry at chick flicks. I cry easily. I'm emotional. I get that. I'm manly, but emotional. I get it, okay? And listen, I don't expect everybody to be like me. I mean, when I to sing these songs, sometimes I just, I just weep. Understanding that the God of the universe loves a complete idiot like me. It's just unbelievable to me. I just can't even fathom it sometimes. And I'm not saying you got to come to church and cry every time we sing three songs and, you know, be a basket case. But if your emotions are never affected 
by your relationship with God, if you never uh, uh, pray for others to the point of begging God and weeping for their eternal souls, if you never pray for a friend like Dave and pray that God will show some mercy and it doesn't affect your emotions, if you can come and sing these songs week after week after week after week after week after week after week and never be touched by them, folks, there's a disconnect somewhere. There's a disconnect somewhere. I'm not saying you have to be like me, but, but God wants to touch our hearts. He wants our feelings and our emotions to be involved in this relationship with him. He wants us to feel love even though it's not just about the feeling. He also says that we should love him with our whole soul, which is our personality. It's the part of us that's sometimes used the the term spirit. It's the part of us that still exists when our body dies. It's our soul. It's our personality. And listen, again, I'm not saying we, we all have the same personality. We should all act the same. I'm not saying that. But you should love God in your personality. Now, I've... I know who I am, and I know what my personality is like. And if I went uh, to a, a Chiefs game with 10 of my friends, and, uh, uh, you know, they scored the winning touchdown with three seconds left, I know that three of you would stand over here and go, oh, do a little golf clap. Oh, that was a fine play, wasn't it? That was awesome. That was incredible. That was unbelievable. That's because your personality is kind of that way, okay? I know there would be three of you over here in this group that were like, you know, kind of jumping up, and, hey, and did you guys see that? That was awesome. woo and they'd be standing here going, yeah, yeah, it was a fine play. We loved it. It was great, right? And then I'd be over here on this side with my other three friends, and we'd be standing up on the seats and high-fiving everybody we can and almost falling down and breaking our neck. Ah, they won't, they won't, they won't, ah. I know I paid $100 for the ticket, but they still won't, ah. And these people are over here going, yes, we know. We know we saw it. It was great. It was wonderful, okay? I know that our personalities are different. I get that. I don't expect all of you to act the same way in church, when we worship or act the same way when you hear God's word preached. But you should be participating in your personality. If you're over here going crazy when the Chiefs score a touchdown, but in worship service when we sing about the creator of the universe, you stand there like a bump on a log like this, something's not right about that. you got to think about that, folks. God wants us to love us with our whole personalities. And what that means is for some of you who are gregarious, you're outgoing, maybe God wants you to love him by, by being vocal about the word, by being vocal about the gospel to your friends and neighbors and coworkers. Now, he wants all of us to be able to share that. But maybe some of you are just kind of shy and introverted, and you're more the person that kind of just calm, you know, kind of calm all the time. And and you're the person that people come to when their lives are out of control. And you can share with them the gospel and how God gives you that calm, that assurance, that steady life. But God wants us to worship him even with our personalities. He says right here, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Then he also says, Love the Lord your God with your mind, which is your intellect and your decisions. He wants you to worship him with your decisions. Folks, we live in a world that's constantly pressuring us to make decisions not according to God's word. And it's not getting better. 
It's not getting better. The world is not getting more godly. So we have to make decisions. We have to, in our minds, worship God with our our choices by what we read, by what we watch, by what we see, by what we think. And by the way, he's always right. So in his word and our opinion uh, uh, bump heads, when they disagree, we're just wrong. Okay? I'm really amazed at how many people visit Fellowship of Grace and, and sometimes the very first time they've been here, They'll walk out the door and they'll shake my hand and they'll say, man, this church is just a lot different. We've been visiting a lot of churches in the Northland and this church is really different. I say, well, how's it different? And they'll say, well, you guys just read the Bible a lot here. I mean, mean, you guys like really believe that stuff. Like, yeah. Like, well, I I went to this other church and they, they read a verse and then they read a poem and then they told a story and then they read a haiku and then they did this other thing and, and they called it a day. And what I kind of tell him as a joke, although it's not a joke, is I'm just not bright enough to come up with my own material, so I just stick with God's material, and we believe what he says. But folks, that's a decision we've made in our minds, to love God with our intellect, with our choices, with our minds, because he says so. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He wants us to love him with our minds, and lastly, with our strength which is our talents, our abilities. It's also our time. It's our energy. It's basically any resource that we have. God wants us to love him with all of those things. If we look again, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your mind, and with all your strength. Now, I know that you all know that I love you very much. I love this church. I love these people. I love you all. But i got to be honest with you, I get a little frustrated sometimes when people at Fellowship of Grace say, you know, I, I, just, can't be a, I just can't be a part of a community group and give up one night a week every, every other week. i just got a lot of things going on. Now, I'm going to do this with everybody so I don't have to do it individually with you because it really it hurts more when it's individual. In my mind, I go like this. Okay, you're giving up a week, you're giving up a night every two weeks, Jesus went to the cross. You're giving up a night. He was nailed to the cross after being beaten to a bloody pulp, and you can't give up a night. Now, listen, I know you've got responsibilities. I know your lives are full. I mean, all of our schedules are full. But let's just be honest for a minute. I'll be honest with me. You be honest with you. Probably most of us in this room watched more television in the last week than we spent time praying. Probably most of the people in this room spent more time entertaining themselves in some fashion than witnessing to their friends and neighbors and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Folks, our problem is not time. Our, our, our problem is not resources. Our problem is not money. Our problem is not energy problem is we just don't love God enough and I say we in that we just don't love God enough to give up the things of this world to really love him the way we should love him you've heard Mark 12 30 about 20 times now 
Let's read it together. You'll walk out of here having it memorized. You're going to love this, okay? Let's read this together out loud, okay? Ready? And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Mark 12.30. So that's a big challenge. How do we love God that way? Well, fellowship of grace, if that's one of our purposes, if that is part of our, our purpose, part of our mission, we should be doing things to facilitate that, and we do. Let me just really briefly, I know our time is waning here, but let me briefly share with you how do we facilitate these things at Fellowship of Grace. The first way, and by the way, this is an individual responsibility. We aren't responsible for you loving God. You are responsible for you loving God, but the church should, the church absolutely should create an atmosphere and an environment that inspires and encourages and helps each of us love God more, okay? Our responsibility is to provide that atmosphere and that environment. Your responsibility is to get plugged in and love God more. Here's how we do that. We encourage gospel commitment. We share the gospel frequently from the pulpit. The gospel being the good news, that's what gospel means, of Jesus Christ. The fact that we are all sinners, that we can't do anything to fix our sin and we cannot stop sinning that God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay for our sins, that by putting our faith and trust in what he did on the cross, not by doing good things, but by putting our faith and trust in what he did on the cross and accepting his personal life, his, his uh, a perfect life as a sacrifice for our sinful life, we can receive forgiveness of our sins and, and eternal life with God. Folks, that's the simple gospel. Somebody asked me one time, they said, you never say that quite the same any two times. That's because it's not something that I memorized that I just wrote. It's a, it's, a, it's a real thing. I don't describe my wife to everybody exactly the same way every time. Okay, but it's always good. All right? We share the gospel frequently from the pulpit. We've trained you how to share the gospel. There's not a year in the, in the life of this church has gone by that we haven't had some kind of seminar, some kind of training, some kind of teaching to help you, and sometimes, several times a year, to help you share the gospel with others. That's a way that you can love God, by, by expanding his kingdom, by being a good representative of him, by being a good ambassador of God. We're going to have another um, Good News Sunday in November this year where we're going to just take one Sunday and emphasize the gospel to the place where uh, we're going to ask you to invite all of your unchurched friends to come with you, and they're going to come in, and we're going to actually teach you how to share the gospel by sharing the gospel, and then we're going to ask you to turn your chairs into groups of two or three and have one of you practice sharing the gospel. So when you bring your friends who are unchurched, they're going to come in, and they're going to hear me teach you how to do it, then they're going to hear you do it, so they've heard the gospel twice, And then we're going to ask God to do a mighty thing in their hearts and draw them to himself. So we do that a lot here. Another thing that we do are the ordinances that God commands in his word. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Today we're baptizing seven at the lake. Now we're going to have a good time. We're going to, we're going to have a, a, you know, dinner out there. We're going to have a great picnic. Um, and then we're going to go out and we're going to have a very wonderful and exciting service to, to just uh, celebrate, really celebrate the decision that these people have made to give their lives to Christ and to receive the gospel. 
Uh, we do the Lord's Supper here about six or eight times a year, and we don't do it every week. Uh, some people come from different backgrounds and ask why we don't do that. We don't do that because we don't want it to be something we just do by rote. We want it to be special. We try to make it special and meaningful. We don't do it the same way two times in a row. Uh, we do it differently each time to make it something that's memorable that helps us to really think about what God did for us by sending his son. And by Jesus giving his body and his blood for us, we want to walk out of here going, wow, that was, that was cool. I'm going to remember that. That's, I'm going to think about that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and next Friday and a week from Tuesday and four weeks from Thursday. That's what we want to do. Uh, we also do biblical preaching and teaching. As I said, I'm not really uh, skilled enough to come up with my own material. But listen, the more we know God's word, the more we know the author. The more we know God's word, the more we know the author. One of the interesting things about reading an autobiography is that you not only hear facts about a person's life, but you really get to know the person and how they view themselves. It's very different than a biography. Because in a biography, it's almost always just facts about a person. But an autobiography, you really get to hear what they think about themselves, how they view themselves, how they think they really are. But when you read God's word, since he's the author... The reality is we get to know not only facts about God, but we get to know really who he is. We really get to know him. So our church is committed to biblical preaching and teaching. We try very hard here, folks, to preach and teach what God's word says without adding to it or without subtracting from it. Now, we try to share it in love. And the way we view that is, listen, if somebody comes through those doors and they're offended by the truth of God's word, that's a problem they need to take up with God. If they're offended by the way that I deliver it, that's on me. And so we try very hard to really give God's word the way that it's intended, but in love. We work hard at it. We labor at it here. We also worship through corporate singing and praising, giving, and praying. And folks, everybody should participate. Everybody should participate in worship. Because it's, a, it's an opportunity for your heart to love God. It's an opportunity for you to make a decision in this half an hour, in this hour, to love God. It's not about how good a singer you are or what if somebody hears me. When you come with a grateful heart and the object of worship is our God, you should participate. Okay? And, and it's, really, it's really kind of a weird setup here for the pastor you know, I sit up here and I have, a great, uh, I have a great view of all of you when we worship. Now, I don't make judgments about everybody being like me. I don't think everybody should be raising their, you know, if you're not comfortable raising your hands, don't raise your hands. Uh, some of you worship like this and you sing loud. Some of you worship like this and you sing soft. Uh, some of you, uh, you know, well, maybe for a song or two, you'll sit there and just really be prayerful and meditate. You'll listen. But for those of you who do this, You know what it communicates? I don't care about worshiping God. I want to get to lunch. Now, maybe I'm reading into something. But again, week after week after week, folks, you should come here and participate. And if you don't like music, you're going to hate heaven. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're just going to hate it. You might as well get used to it. I know it's not going to be, as, it's going to be much better than this, but... You know, we got good musicians here, good, good worshipful people that lead good worship, and, and you should participate, okay? Uh, giving is an important act. The number one reason that we give 
And the number one reason that we do that as a part of our worship service is to give us an opportunity to act in love towards God. It's not about paying the church's bills. Yes, we pay the church's bills, okay? But that's not what it's about. What it's about is, God, I want to acknowledge that you gave me your first and your best when you sent Jesus to die for me. And I'm here to give you my first and my best. I wish I could give you everything. I know that you've given it to me to manage, and I'm doing the best I can. But God, I'm here to give you my first and my best. And I'm doing it happily, cheerfully, because I want you to know how much I love you. We pray together so that our hearts will be knitted together in unison to speak to God on the behalf of our members, on the behalf of our, our, our whole fog family here, that we love God. Love, God, we love you. We worship you. We think you're awesome. We thank you. All of those things. Also, the church offers opportunities to serve him. Now, there are many opportunities to serve Christ, to serve God here at Fog, and to show your love for him. Yes, there are practical things to serving. I get that. But if you're coming and you're participating on the security team because you just want to provide security, I want you to rethink what you're doing. Don't come to just provide security for the church. Come because you love God and you want to do this for him. I'm telling you, you won't get tired of serving that way. If you come just to serve out of your flesh and do the things that church needs to have done, you're going to get tired, you're going to get burnt out, and you're going, to get, you're going to get frustrated with the church. The way to do that is to realize that every time you come and you, you serve, you're serving God. You're not serving me. You're not serving the pastors. You're not serving the staff. You're serving God. You'll never get tired of doing that, folks. I promise you. I promise you. There are many opportunities. Last night, uh, Julie and I came here to do, uh, do the last video uh, for the baptism videos this morning at 6 o'clock. And there was a family in our church here cleaning. They clean the church once a month. We have four families that do that. They come and clean the church on Saturday once a month. You don't know their names. You, they're sitting in this room, but I'm not going to embarrass them by pointing them out. But folks, they do that not just because they want the church to be clean. They do that because they love God, and it's an act of loving him. And so the church provides those opportunities for you to do that. Take advantage of all the ways that we try to help you love God more, folks. Listen, when it comes to loving God, you do not want to come up a yard short and have Jesus say to you someday, Wow! You were close to the kingdom. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. But what a glorious moment if we face him and he says, I could tell you really loved me. It weren't just words. I could tell by your behavior, by your heart, by your soul, by your mind, by your strength, you served me. And you loved me. Thank you for loving me. Next week, we'll look at loving others. It'll be just as challenging, just as convicting, but hopefully just as encouraging. I want you to leave today challenged, but encouraged. Folks, we can love God better. I can love God better. I've heard this sermon twice now, and it's convicted me 
to love God more, come with me. Come with me. And let's learn to love God more together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you so much for the way that you are so patient with us. You are so kind. God, help us to really lock arms. Even though we know it's an individual decision, help us to lock arms and help and encourage each other to love you more. Challenge us. Convict us. Send your Holy Spirit to well up in our hearts and to really desire to love you more and then act on that conviction. Father, we do love you. We may not act like it sometimes, but we do. Help us to do it better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.